Um, in the first service, we sang um, one of my favorite hymns. It might be my favorite hymn, and it was um, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And uh, I love that hymn so much because it, it affirms what is the underlying principle about why we can trust God with everything that He says and, and everything that He says He will do uh, because everything that He has brought to pass in, in, in our life and all the way through this journey so far has been a fulfillment of His promise. And that means that everything to come uh, will be true. But if God was not faithful, then that means that we would not be able to believe and to claim everything else about Him, His wisdom, His strength, His power, His love, His forgiveness, His mercy, and His grace, all those things. We wouldn't be able to, to claim them if He were not faithful. And you see, it's His faithfulness then that sustains all these other attributes. And the faithfulness of God is what lets us know that we can be sure of God's wisdom and presence and guidance in our life. And then because of that, because of his faithfulness, then we have hope. And in that we have confidence for life. And we all need that, don't we? I think you do because I know that I do. And it doesn't matter who you are. And it really doesn't matter whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer in Christ. Every one of us has some kind of value system that we use to give us that sense of security and hope that we all need in a happenstance world in which we live. And oftentimes, uh, that security system is found in things that are not going to be permanent. They're not going to last. They're going to be uh, destructible. They will be shaky because we base that security system upon uh, our own ability, our success, maybe money, maybe our family, maybe it's sports. Now, the issue is that when life clicks along and everything is going great and we don't need that encouragement, we don't need that support, and we don't need that hope, then I guess you could say that any value system would work. But when we face a crisis head on, and that value system for giving us hope and security does not hold us up, then our world is shattered. When our system fails, we experience anxiety, concern and despair, and hopelessness rather than hope is what rules our life. And I I think I see that so prevalent in our culture today. Whether you want to call it a a postmodern or a post-Christian culture that we live in. And the reason for it is, is when you live in in the culture in which we live today, uh, and, and, and there's that prevailing thought that says there are no absolutes in life, there's no absolute truth. There are many ways to find God. Uh, You know, then there are many ways in which people can find their sense of value and their security and their worth and ultimately their hope. You see, we we can't live without hope. Hope has been defined as the oxygen of the soul. We cannot live long without it and we can't face life without it. Now, and those two things, the faithfulness of God... And the hope that that brings to us are found in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. It comes from uh, Jeremiah's Lamentations. If you'll look there with me in Lamentations chapter 3, in verses 21 through 23, we find Jeremiah writing these words. He says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great 
is your faithfulness. Now, what's so exciting and powerful and interesting about that passage of Scripture and about Jeremiah's writing about this, that in God there is faithfulness and in God there is that hope and His mercies are new each day, is that he is watching his beloved city of Jerusalem uh, be uh, just utterly destroyed. They're being overrun by the Babylonians, as was promised if they were not obedient and faithful to God. People are being killed. Young people are being taken off into captivity. The women who are left are widows. The aged men who are left are helpless. The temple has been plundered. The treasures have been taken. And you would think that Jeremiah would have absolutely no hope and no confidence as he looked out on that world and he saw his world being shattered and destroyed. The king even and his family were reduced to living like common poor folk and even uh, King Zedekiah's eyes were gouged out. That's how terrible this this treatment was at the hands of these Babylonians. Now the interesting thing is that this book of Lamentations has only five chapters. But it's about right here in the middle in chapter 3 is where we see that Jeremiah the prophet acknowledges the faithfulness of God claims the hope that God gives, and is able to look at the world around him and hold his life together through the power of this faithful God. See, he's able to look at everything around him in the middle of all his lament and lamentations, weeping and wailing. See, he's experienced darkness, but now he's seeing some light. He's had, he's had pain that, that greatly in, in, was inflicted upon him, but now He's beginning to see some glimpses of God's providence in hand in the midst of this. He's seen destruction and despair. But now he's seeing God at work. And he's able to say, great is thy faithfulness. And he says, and therefore we have hope. And it's all because of God's faithfulness. And that's the underlying principle about who God is. See, I think we have to begin when we want to learn about God and understand how God moves and acts in our life and in this world that he's created and continues to watch over, is that we have to understand and underscore that that God's faithfulness is the undergirding foundation of everything else about him. And that leads us just to simply two uh, truths for us to gather today out of thinking about God is faithful. And here's the first one. Faithfulness is central to the character of God. When we look at the definition of faithfulness, we see it defined as steadfast in affection or allegiance. And so we know that somebody who is is faithful is somebody who's loyal, dependable, and they are firm about keeping their promises. Now, we take that definition and we apply it to God, then we realize that God is dependable. God is trustworthy, God is loyal, God is consistent, God is true to His Word. In fact, the Bible is just absolutely filled with Scripture references about the faithfulness of God. Take a look at this short video that kind of gives us a highlight of some of those passages of Scripture about God's faithfulness. Uh, that's only a sampling of so many references that throughout the Bible that talk about God's faithfulness. And the Bible not only tells us that God is faithful, but He also tells us how God has shown His faithfulness. 
In Deuteronomy 7, 9 we read, You know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Now all the way through the Scriptures you can trace the faithfulness of God. Of everything that He has promised that is going to take place up until this very moment, all those things have taken place. He promised not only His watch care, He promised not only His love, He promised not only His mercy, not only His grace, not only uh, the blessings that come uh, from His abundance of His storehouse. But He also told about coming judgment, like on on the people here of of Judah in, in, um, in Jeremiah's day. That was a direct fulfillment of, prom- of, a, of God's promise to them because of the fact that they were disobedient and they were falling away from Him. And that was prophesied uh, in Deuteronomy 28, 900 years earlier. And the bottom line of all of that, though, is that God is faithful to everything He says about Himself and everything that He promises to do. He's kind of like the Marines. Anybody in here? I know we had some in the first service. Got Marines in here? Anybody serving the Marines? There you go. Then you know when you see simplify, you know what that means, right? That comes from two words. It means uh, simplify Dallas, which simply means always faithful. And that means that Marines are not just always faithful to their country and to their commanders and the leaders and to the task that's at hand, but also talks about their character and their nature as well. Always faithful talks about Marines, simplify. And the same thing can be said about God. He is always faithful, whether it's in the promise of judgment or whether it's in the promise of redemption. God is always faithful. And that gives us hope because we build our value system on the faithfulness of God. And that will never be destroyed. It will never be shaken, no matter what kind of stressful situation you find yourself in in life. God's faithfulness is always there. And that leads us to the second statement to make about that. And here's where we make direct application to our life. And there are just so many ways that we could do it. I just had to narrate what I would say are maybe kind of three um, all-inclusive ways in which God shows that faithfulness in our life. Because the second truth about all this is that God's faithfulness provides hope in the circumstances of life. So because God is the faithful God, He gives hope for our life. That's what gave Jeremiah hope. When you looked out on the city of Jerusalem and saw that it was utterly destroyed and his beloved people were being taken away into captivity, yet he saw hope. He had a sense of hope. He said, God, your mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. So when we face the reality of life in times of crisis, in times of testing, how does God's faithfulness apply to our situations? Let me mention these three. First of all, We need to claim God's faithfulness when we're tempted. We're always tempted, aren't we? Of course, that temptation means that we're tempted to sin. Did anybody go through this week and not be tempted to sin in some kind of way? I mean, was anybody in here not tempted by some kind of sin? Whether it was something you thought, something you said, something you did, or you wanted to do? Come on now. Somebody cut you off in traffic, right? And you were tempted to say something or show them something, right? How about that? You get aggravated with the people in the grocery store who in the 15-item checkout line that had a whole month's worth of groceries there in front of you? 
You wanted to say, excuse me, can you not read the sign? Some of that? You know, somebody said something nasty about you and you just wanted to reply in the same way? We're all tempted, aren't we? We're all tempted by sin. That's the way sin works. It tempts us. It lures us like a fishing lure. You throw the fishing lure in the water so that you can attract the fish, and, 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 and that fish falls victim to the temptation. He takes hold of the lure, and he's caught. I'm talking about that with fish. I read a story that comes from the West Coast. It's about the ocean beauty seafood plant. That they had gone through their day of all the processing of all the fish that they had for that day. And there was a truck just absolutely loaded down with all the remains of those fish, just full of fish guts. And I hope nobody's planning on having fish for lunch and it just ruins your lunch, okay? But while that truck's going down the road, here is, here is a pile, a host of, I don't even know what you call them, so many eagles, the beautiful majestic bird, symbol of the United States. That these eagles looked down and said, ooh, there's meals on wheels right there. And so they just made a dive into all that fish gut. And before the drivers could realize what was happening, 28 of those majestic birds died, being pushed farther down into those fish guts by the others, but they were able to save about 50 of them. That's a pretty sad way to die, isn't it? Being tempted by fish guts. Well, think about the things in your life that tempt you. Are they any better? Or really, are they any cleaner? So what do we do in times of temptation? When we get tempted by some of the rottenest things there could be and stinking and foulest things in all of the world. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. See, the reality is temptations to sin are all around us, and they're going to continue to come into our life. No matter how strong a believer we are, no matter how weak you are in your faith, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, temptations are going to come. But as a believer, claiming a relationship in Christ, claiming the faithfulness of God, when you face temptation, God is faithful to be there as your source of power. You don't do it. We don't conquer temptation on our own. We are able to withstand temptation on His power. And it's His faithfulness that promises us that hope. Then the second way we need that faithfulness, and that is when we're threatened or when we are afraid. See, there are circumstances in life that really challenge us. And there are so many times that Satan really wants to threaten us and challenge us because Satan ultimately has one goal in mind for every person in this world, and that is he wants to see you destroyed. That's Satan's goal for you. I mean, when you look at the two choices in life, God who loves you and wants the very best for you and has, to, has prepared a beautiful place called heaven for you to spend eternity, and the other option is that there is Satan and he wants to destroy you and he wants you to spend eternity in the fires of hell. Why isn't that an easy choice as to how you will make your decision in life? See, so oftentimes Satan comes to us to threaten us and scare us. But here's what 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says. But the Lord is, underscore that word again, faithful. 
And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. There are times we're going to come under attack. There are times we're going to feel like we're just hopeless. And we have no sense of security. But the reality is God is faithful and he will not let us perish. I read this article that several years ago they were celebrating one of the anniversaries of the building of the Golden Gate uh, Bridge across the San Francisco Bay. Some of you maybe have seen it, driven across it maybe even. But uh, the work got way behind schedule. And you know what that means. That means frustration and that means money for the construction people. And the engineers thought about, you know, what is the problem? And they began to notice the fact that they'd had several fatalities, men working on that bridge that fell off of it and they fell to their death. And finally somebody came up with an idea to put a safety net underneath the bridge so in case anybody else would ever fall, they could be caught by that net. It was amazing what happened. Productivity sped up just like that. They got back on schedule. One or two guys fell. But guess what? They fell into that net and they were saved. Now, we, we need to think about God more than simply being a safety net in our life that says, hey, if I'm going to fall, God's always going to be there to catch me. Now, we need to trust in Him more so that we don't fall. But the reality is that when we're under attack, when Satan wants to destroy us, that God is faithful. And when we rely upon His power, we can withstand the attacks of Satan. And then this leads to the third thing. When we sin. Because sometimes... We don't. We don't call on God's strength and power and faithfulness. And the temptation is stronger than we can endure and we fall into sin. I won't ask for confessions, but I'd imagine that in this gathering, every one of us sin somehow this week in some way. Whether it's simply eating too much or saying too much or doing something wrong. We've all sinned this week. So what hope do we have? What hope do we have when we sin? 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. The psalmist said he knows our frame that we're but dust. That means that we're weak and frail and we're going to fall to sin. So God has given to us this faithful promise that says there are times you're going to sin. And he says in those times come and confess it and I will forgive you and cleanse you of all of that sin. That doesn't give us a license to sin. The longer we live the deeper we grow in our faith the less we should sin. But when we do sin, we should be hurt by it. We should be concerned about it. And we come to God with it and we confess it and we're forgiven. God gives us that forgiveness. I thought this was an interesting article I read about a a 35-year-old man in Berkeley, California. Maybe only in Berkeley, California would somebody do this. But he was a chef and a caterer. And he decided for some unknown reason to keep for a year every piece of trash he created in his cooking and catering business. And it was 96 cubic feet. Now, the first thing I said was, well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of trash. Second thought I had was, where in the world did he store it? Where did he keep it? Then the third thought I had was, you know what? There's a lot of trash in my life. I don't know whether it's 96 cubic feet or not. How about your life? 
How about your life? Sometimes we live trashy lives and sin piles up and we need to confess it and we need to claim God's faithfulness to forgive us. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy these words, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. See, God remains faithful no matter what. No matter what you or I do, no matter what's happening in our world around us, no matter what temptation we're facing, no matter what fear we're facing, no matter what sin we commit, God remains faithful. And when we look to God's faithfulness in the past, we praise him. And we look to God's faithfulness in the future. We trust Him. We trust Him with our life. And that's what we're challenged to do today. Trust Him with your life. Either it's time for you to make that first time commitment of your life to Christ. Uh, Maybe you prayed that prayer during Bible school. Maybe you made that decision at Journey Camp to make that decision to trust Christ as Savior. Then you need to take a stand for Christ and make that decision public. Or maybe you're a believer and you just simply say, I've been trying to do all this on my own strength. I built my value system on things that aren't going to last and not going to endure. And I need to make a commitment right now to place my life on the foundation of God's faithfulness. If you need to make any of those decisions, then I ask you to do it today. Father, we thank you that you are faithful and you have proven yourself to us to be the faithful God. We rejoice in that. And we ask now that that as we come to a time of decision, time of invitation, that that uh, as you hear and you speak through your Holy Spirit, that there will be decisions made as people give their lives to you through faith in Christ. Or they will simply make decisions where they stand and sing and, and recommit their life to you and say, I want to build my life on the foundation of your faithfulness and nothing else. So, Father, I pray that these decisions will be made through the power and influence of your Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Christ's name.